Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. We've learned a lot about civilization since Hamas carried out terrorist attacks against Israel. And none of it's good. We've seen a media willing to carry out and push Hamas propaganda. We've seen people in America and Western countries take to the streets in support of terrorists, in support of Hamas. We've seen a a devaluing of human life when people don't see the moral clarity that is necessary to denounce and condemn evil when we see it. And evil, of course, is the slaughter of babies, the slaughter of women, the slaughter of elderly. So what does that say about society? Do, do we, as the West and as America, do we no longer value human life? You look at a lot of the civilization issues that are, are happening right now. What does this mean for the future of the country? The best person to turn to, in my opinion, for these kinds of conversations is Victor Davis Hansen. Of course, everyone's very familiar with his work. He's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, Stanford University. He's brilliant. We all know that. We've, we've had him on the show before. We all watch him on Fox News. I mean, the man is brilliant. So I wanted to have him on the show to walk us through where we are as a, as a country, as a, as a people, where humanity is today with the anti-Semitism that we're seeing around the country and, and around the world. We're also going to get into some other issues like what to do about Iran, why the the media and the left are are treating Israel different than Ukraine and a lot of other issues as well. But I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I know I learned a lot from it and I hope you do, too. So stay tuned for Victor Davis Hanson. Victor Davis Hanson, it's always an honor to have you on the show. You always have so much wisdom. We are, are certainly in some pretty scary times as a, as a country and, and just in the world right now. We saw the media falsely blame Israel for a hospital bombing. We were originally told that 500 Palestinians at the hospital in Gaza had been killed by an Israeli airstrike. Of course, that turned out not to be true. Why was the media so eager to believe Hamas propaganda? Well, I think the media, if that could use that generic term, 
is a product of the American left. It comes out of higher education's uh, journalism schools in many cases. It's a bicoastal phenomenon. And they understand that to succeed in, in the New York Times or PBS or NPR or the network news or any of these uh, mainstream media outlets, Reuters, AP, you have to have a particular ideology. And it's kind of like an insurance policy, an indemnity policy. And if you were to be conservative or disinterested or somewhat sympathetic to Israel, or at least not biased, then uh, you're going to be in trouble. So I, I think that's part of it. And then the other is sort of groupthink that... Uh, it, it, it just gets to a narrative and then they go with it and it gets reaffirmed by on the campuses. The whole liberal infrastructure of corporate media, the corporate boardroom, entertainment, professional sports, K through 12, the campus, all the foundations, all of these uh, institutions are controlled by the center left or hard left and they become something that people want to be a part of. And so you, you become a part of that by spreading these stories that confirm the narrative that Western civilization is bad, America's bad, and Israel is particularly bad because you have the added ingredient of anti-Semitism. And uh, it's pretty, pretty, that story, Lisa, was very strange because if you follow the logic of it, it was... So Islamic Jihad was in a rivalry with Hamas, and it wanted to claim that it had killed as many Jews as Hamas. So it began firing missiles as well uh, towards civilian targets, which is a war crime. Without, I mean, the IDF phones people. It, it explains why it's doing what it is, but not, not the mili so-called militants. And by the way, no one in the media uses the word jihadist or terrorist. So when they were doing that, they missed or misfired and they hit this hospital parking lot. And then they announced that the Israelis had done it with a bomb, even though there was no evidence of a crater, that the shrapnel from the rocket was of indigenous or Iranian or either uh, Palestinian origin. There were tap. Everybody knows the script now. There were tap phone calls, admissions of it so that. Evidence was very quickly overwhelming. But what I was curious about is protests broke out all over the Middle East and here at home, buying the Hamas-Palestinian lie. But what had happened if the rocket hadn't hit the hospital? In other words, what if these terrorists had just sent the rocket, killed some people in uh, Tel Aviv as, as was intended? There would have been no protest. There would have been no campus uh, disruptions on that particular day. We wouldn't have been feeling guilty and handed over $100 million. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but then Joe Biden on the way back from the Middle East said the following, you know, it's just a problem. I don't think they meant to do it. It's the old thing. You got to shoot straight, meaning if they had just sh shot straight like they intended, then I wouldn't be in this mess. They would have just killed some Jews and nobody cares. That was really frightening. You know, Victor, you talk about sort of this leftist ideology, the animosity towards Israel and, and really the animosity towards, you know, Jews. But we saw the torture 
of innocent people, you know, the slaughter of babies, the slaughter of women, the slaughter of elderly. If that's not enough to find moral clarity now, are we any different as a society from terrorists like Hamas who don't value human life? Well, when you say we, I mean, that's a that's a collective for 330 million Americans. And I think I was just on online and I just saw a poll that said, should you give money? And this was a local poll here in California on a, uh, a website. And it said, uh, should we give money to a mosque? And when you click on your preference, it gives you the immediate results. So very th- thousands of people. And it was 83% no. So what we're talking about, I think, is a very vocal, high profile, but nevertheless, small minority of people. And yes, you're right. They're completely without moral bearings. And that's I think also that's amplified by our reaction as the host. They know there's no consequences. And when every on a rare occasion when there is a consequence, like we had the New York law student who was very adamant and bragging about her pro-Amas, which was really a pro-death stance. She was out in fatigues demonstrating. And then when this silk stocking law firm said, you know, we're not going to hire you, she almost fell fell apart, and it was almost a cause celeb, and she was needed counseling. And I think that's part of it. We empower all of this, and we don't have to be vindictive. I think we really need to, to enforce our moral stance, our moral values, and we need to do it home and abroad. So if Joe Biden is going over to really kind of beg Jordan, which is an autocratic but pro-American government, but nevertheless gets a billion dollars, and Egypt gets over a billion dollars, and the Palestinians in aggregate get a billion dollars. And they say, we don't want to meet with you because we believe this outright lie. And even if it is an outright lie, which they knew it was, we're still not going to meet with you because we can't trust our own street. Then I, I don't think we need to get mad. We just need to say, we're not going to give you any money. And if Qatar says, you know, we're going to have Hamas here and you're going to like it. I think we're going to have to say, well, we have 25 other installations in the Middle East, but there's no need for us to have CENTCOM in your country. So we're not going to do it. And the same thing with our students. We just need to say, well, if you want to go out and protest and you want to support killers, then we're going to take a look at higher education. And if the president of Harvard, or the president of Stanford can't make us a clear moral statement. And we're not asking you to make moral statements. That's been your custom and tradition, that you make moral statements that are really not central to your educational mission. But if you want to do that, then we have to do certain reactions. And one of them was, we're going to tax your endowments. And we're going to take a a sharp look at whether we need to subsidize student loans. We think that you should do it. You, you have a particular ideology. You're not fond of the mainstream America. You take those huge endowments and you back your student loans yourself. And if they default, you have the moral hazard. I think if we just did that, uh, we would see a, ch- a sharp change in behavior. So we've empowered this. I think it's through laxity or fear, but we've allowed a small minority here and a large minority, a majority abroad, to have the wrong impression of us that we're weak we're amoral like they are, and we can't do anything about it. And we need to stop that. But I guess, you know, I, I'm, I'm pro-life. And so I, I look at even the movement on abortion from safe, legal, and rare to up until the moment of birth. And it, it just feels like as a society, we don't value human life anymore. And that is a big differentiating factor between us and, you know, terrorist groups or this, you know, radical Islamic 
you know, religions, right, is that they don't believe in the sanctity of life. And I just, I wonder if we do anymore as a society. I think you made a good point. We're getting to that point. But I was watching a, a video of the killers yesterday. These were the 1,500 that went in and slaughtered Jews. Not only were they killers and they reveled in killing, but when one of them got wounded, they just left him on the field. In other words, they went over there and they they just shrugged and said, you know what, leave him to the Jews. And we don't do that in our military. And we don't do what Hamas does. As a collective society, we don't allow that. But I think your worry is founded that when you allow eight to 10,000 partial birth abortion, that's kind of a euphemism, killing a fetus, a baby, and considering it just a fetus that you would kill, then that has an incremental effect on a coarsening of society. And when there's no consequence, at all to this pro-death uh, movement in the Middle East, then there's consequences and it spreads. And so I, I think we're in a kind of a civil war as far as our values are concerned. We have a strong, well-funded minority that is trying to impose its values on us. And you're right, it's amoral. It, and it says to us, if biological males say, say at this given time, they're, they're women, they're going to have a right to undress in front of preteen girls in locker rooms or destroy fifth half century of work to have parity among women and males sports. And there's nothing we can do about it. Well, there is something we can do about it. And we can't let these people hijack uh, our culture and then impose their values on the rest of us. Every time that people kind of in a disjointed fashion even – push back, whether it's Anheuser-Busch or Disney or Target or against the campuses, they react. They, they can't, they kind of melt down. And you can see that the power is with the majority, but we, ha we haven't, we've kind of, I don't know what it is, a monastery of the mind. We kind of just withdraw. Well, I can't deal with these people. They're so terrible. I'm going to move to Tennessee or Texas if you're in California. I'm not going to watch the Oscars. Or I never watch the NBA anymore, or, and that, or I, I homeschool. Or I put, that's a legitimate reaction to the madness, but it's not going to stop the madness. We have to engage, engage these people. I am guilty of that because I did leave New York City for Florida. <laughs> I'm, I'm... Yeah, I, I am too, and I live out on a farm, and I work in Stanford, but I won't live in that community. It's just insane, and the campus is insane. And I try to be there. I try to fulfill my duties according to my my contract, but I don't spend one extra second on that campus, even though I graduate graduated from there and my mother graduated, my aunt did, but I have nothing but contempt for it. I don't mean that in a mean, mean way. I just mean that the hierarchy, I, I like the students, some of the faculty I like, I like the idea of Stanford medical school and, and they do a lot of good, and, but not, 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 not the way it is manifested now. You know, Biden on Twitter keeps trying to draw a line between the Palestinians versus Hamas. But, you know, you look at Hamas was elected to power in 2006. You can look at polling as recently as 2021 after that conflict where the majority of Palestinians supported Hamas. You can look at some of the things that young children are taught. You can look at the fact that, you know, even teens have been a part of, you know, the slaughter of Jews, Palestinian teens. So, I mean... Should we delineate between the two or are they one of the same? No, they're one and the same. I mean, 
And you can see that with these horrific videos that are just now starting to appear in number, that when they brought back the corpse of an Israeli girl or a tank, uh, a person out of a tank, or there were captives and there were crowds surging on them, or even when there was a hole in the fence and crowds started to follow the the killers, there was complete support. Nobody, I didn't see anybody in the crowd say, please don't mutilate that poor dead girl. They, they were eager to do it. And you, you have the same idea out here when you see people that are first and even second generation from the West Bank or Gaza, and they're protesting, they're not saying stop the violence. They're talking about Palestine to the sea, the elimination, and that means the destruction of all Israelis. So there is no difference. And why do we say there is? Because the enormity of the truth is incomprehensible to our elite. What would that entail, Lisa, if you said there was no difference? You would say that large segments of the Middle East despise Western culture. They are hypocritical. They want our technology. They want our wealth, but they don't want the processes and the foundations that create it. They're pre-civilizational in some cases, and we should not we should not engage with them. We shouldn't be giving money to them. We shouldn't allow them to come over here and you use our platforms, our universities with student visas or green cards, and then trash the very system that hosts them. And it is kind of strange. You see, what we've created is kind of a monstrosity where somebody from the Middle East flees Syria or Iraq or Lebanon or the West Bank or Gaza and uh, and they want to come here and they say they're refugees and that means we have to flee the dictators we have to flee the sexism we have to flee the violence we have to flee the poverty we have to flee the corruption the, the state-run socialism we want to come where it's not there and once we get here we guarantee you that from a safe distance uh, and given your magnanimity we're going to champion everything we left and that's what they're doing and we say okay it's fine. Just trash us. We're not going to try to assimilate, integrate you in American customs and values. We have no civic education. And that's, we created this Frank, I, I know, and we created a Frankensteinian monster. So what does that mean for us? It means that half the country th has no faith in America. They don't even believe, they believe 1619 was the foundational date. They rename streets. So they just do whatever they want on the premise on the premise that there is still enough people who are going to create a free market and sustain it and a constitutional system and the rule of law and it's going to be therefore a prosperous place and relatively safe and that they're not going to let the left completely take over and now what's weird about it is the left, for the first time in my lifetime, has almost completely taken over. They've defunded the police. They've made our downtowns unlivable. They've let in 8 million illegal aliens. And that is starting to affect the architects themselves, the bicoastal elite. And it's almost as if they're saying to us, and you can really see it with a shock of a lot of left-wing people in the Democratic Party think, wow, we, we, these people, Talib, the squad, these people hate us. They hate America. And so we, we've allowed it to go on so long that now for the first time in my life and think maybe yours, it's starting to affect the very way we live. 
the safety of our our travel, the ability to go to a downtown, uh, the, the the assurance that if somebody hits you on the street, they will be prosecuted. The idea that an education that you go to a college that was meritocratic, the students will all be of a particular level of competence. The faculty can maintain a certain level of rigor, and that's not true anymore. And it's starting to filter down to every aspect of society. That's what I'm most worried about. There's a breakdown of civilization and brought on by this. I don't want to have the United States work on the principles I see in Gaza or even in Europe. Let's take a quick commercial break. More with Victor Davis Hanson on the other side. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moon roof you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You know, the left likes to talk about things like decolonization. You know, what is the end objective with that for some of these people? When they say decolonization, it's a it's a parlor room. It's a faculty lounge trope. I mean, decolonization would mean the removal of all Western traces from a supposedly superior indigenous places. So take the Middle East. You would go back to what the Ottomans had, the Ottoman Empire that controlled the whole Middle East for 400 years or the Caliphate before that. 
And we know what that is. There would be a harem. There would be no rights for women. There would be stoning of gays. You'd live by Sharia law. And there would be no free market. And the only place in the Middle East, and I think I've been to every single country with the exception of Iran and maybe one Gulf state, the only place that works are the wealthy Gulf sheikdoms. And they only work because they in, they inherit import thousands of workers to do their work, but more importantly, thousands of Western contractors, architects, doctors, lawyers to run their system for them. And everywhere else, to the degree that it's not Western, it's a mess. And that mess would be everywhere if they decolonized, if that's what the term they prefer to use. And they know it. They wouldn't be able to do what they do. So you take Representative Tlaib, and she's screaming and yelling and perpetuating this lie. And incidentally, I thought Merrick Garland established the principle, if you disrupt a session of Congress or you occupy the rotunda and you're an elected official and you egg that on, then you're going to be subject to severe felonies, uh, convictions if you're if you're guilty. But nevertheless, does she really believe she could go back to Gaza as a woman and stand up on a corner and start damning the government of Hamas and saying, you know what, you don't give women rights and you're corrupt and you haven't brought sewer and water and power as you prompt? They would execute her. She knows that. She only does that that's the irony of it, sir. You know, because you, you look at, uh, you know, people like queers for uh, Palestine or trans for Palestine, and, and these people would be murdered there. It's like, are they just that ignorant or what is the disconnect, sir? Yes, they are ignorant. They don't go there. Talib doesn't go over to Gaza. And she, they none of those people want to go back. And in fact, the one thing that Donald Trump did, if you remember, that got people the most furious, he did a lot of things that were really good that really irritated the left. But the worst was he issued a travel ban almost immediately on, I think it was eight countries that practiced terrorism. And about five of them were from the Middle East. And they went ballistic because they understood that there's a whole gravy train of visiting fellowships, foundation scholarships, student visas, uh, a whole gravy train for people from these illiberal societies to come over here and then be pets or pawns or court jesters to our left and make a lot of money or at least have a lifestyle impossible where they came from. And, you know, it's almost like, well, please come over here and attack us. We enjoy it. And so, yeah, they're ignorant. And our people are ignorant. They don't go over there. They don't live there. And once the second generation comes, they don't want to go back. And it's all predicated that the rest of us will keep creating the system, ignore the criticism, try to uh, maintain 232 years of constitutional custom and tradition, and therefore they'll have prosperity, freedom, and security. And they will. that means the margin of error is so great that they have the luxury to trash the very system that they prosper under. And it gets very frustrating for the rest of us to watch it. And at some point, some people are going to say, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I think that we're reaching that point. It's very frustrating, sir. I mean, I, I think we're all very concerned about just the instability that has taken place so quickly under this administration. What do we do about Iran, sir? I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, Biden, you know, created this this monster. Um, but you know, what do we do about Iran, and and you know, where does this head regionally in the Middle East? Half of me says 
if you're going to protest on behalf of Hamas, which is an Iran-Iranian subsidized pawn, and you're an Arab Sunni nation, and you know that Iran hates you, then that's your problem. We're not going to help you anymore. We're not going to give. That's half of me. The other half says, look, Iran is going to get the bomb. And when it does, it's going to strike Israel or a European country or us. And we've got to, to deal with it. And we've got to accept the fact that Barack Obama created this problem. Prior, Even under Clinton, we didn't do what he did. He had a notion of creating an Iranian Shia crescent. That meant Iran was going to be empowered, the Assad's, Hezbollah, Lebanon, Hamas. And that would create, I guess he called it at one point, creative tension in the Middle East. And we would tell the Gulf sheikdoms that were pro-American and Israel, we're going to withdraw now. And every time you do something that we don't like, we're going to let this new crescent press back or push on you. And every time you don't like it, we'll allow you. And then we'll have this creative yin and yang. That's what they did. And Iran, of course, took that magnanimity as weakness to be exploited. And the next thing we knew, uh, they this administration came in in that tradition and they allowed the sanctions to fall. And then they got 30 to $50 billion of oil revenue. They had, we bought hostages with ransom money. I think we'll still probably do it at 1.2 billion scheduled to be paid per hostage with sanctioned relief money. And we, we put this Robert Malley, who was a scoundrel and pro-Iranian and under FBI investigation, now fired ahead of the Iran deal. We let John Kerry during the Trump administration uh, with a lot of misadventures all over the globe meeting Iranians, which is probably illegal to perpetuate this Iran deal. And so they took all of this and they considered, they concluded that we were weak, there was no deterrence, and they were ready to do something. And then they looked at Afghanistan. They looked at what Biden had said about he wouldn't react to a Russian invasion if it was a minor one. They looked at the Chinese balloon. They looked at our open border. They looked at the George Floyd 120 days of mayhem. And they said to themselves, these people not only appeased us, but they have no deterrence left. So they got together about a year ago with Hamas. And they said, you know what? There's some other reasons as well. We want to stop this Abrams Accord nonsense. Israel's got internal divisions there. People are not showing up for IDF uh, recalls for reservists. So this is a perfect time to go in and murder Jews because the West is morally bankrupt and is afraid of us. And that's what happened. So now we have to uh, re restore deterrence. And I think in a sane world, Biden put is putting two aircraft carriers there right off the coast. It, they will be right off the coast of Lebanon. They're a big, fat target. And yet they have the most powerful uh, response ability of any, any force in the world. They've got about 150 planes, F-35s, 16s, 15s. They've got frigates. They've got a. They've got the ability to destroy Hezbollah, and they have the ability to take out all of Iran's nuclear capability. And if it wanted to be punitive, take out its water, its sewage, and its infrastructure power. And they just sit there. And now it's up to Iran. And if Iran wants to hit them. Or do, we'll see what Biden does. Why do you think, you know, because obviously, you know, we weren't able to deter Russia from invading Ukraine either. And 
we're seeing a, a totally different treatment of Israel than we did Ukraine. And we have Ukraine, right? I mean, you don't hear the media and the left call for, you know, Ukraine to engage in a ceasefire, yet we hear some of those calls. So why is that so disproportionate? You know, what's behind that? I wrote something the other day about it. I mean, we say to the world, don't worry about Russia's 7,000 nukes. They'd never use them. Then we say, worry about Iran. It might start something. We have to be careful. We say, stop the cycle of violence. Don't be... Um, you have to be proportionate in Israel. Then we tell Ukraine, keep fighting to on to Moscow. You have to be disproportionate. You have to hit them with everything you have. We're going to give you everything. We have. We say to Israel, you better be as constitutional. Netanyahu, don't trample on civil liberties. Then we say to Zelensky, it's okay. You just suspended martial law. There is no freedom. There's no elections. You suspend them. That's fine. And I could go on, but as you pointed out, there's this asymmetry. And why is it? Well, one is there's a systematic, I think, a anti-Semitism among our elite. And number two, in a weird way, the left, it, it had fixated on Russia under Obama and Hillary had the reset. She pushed the reset button. They appeased Putin. They appeased him. They appeased him. Um, uh, they said that George Bush had gone too hard with sanctions on them because of the invasion of Georgia in 2008. And they were going to, they put Mike McFaul over there as ambassador. They were going to appeal to the better angels of Russia's nat nature. And they just snubbed them. They hated them. They treated that weakness uh, as a proof that America was decadent. And Putin just, he went to Obama, and as Obama said, I cut a deal with him. He, we were going to dismantle all of our missile defense with Poland and the Czechs, and then he was going to promise to behave during my election. And we did that, and he behaved, but then after he the bargain was over, he invaded Crimea and he invaded the Donbass. We did do nothing. And so they got really angry that Putin, they had reached out to him and they had appeased him. And then all of a sudden he humiliated them and he gobbled up all this stuff. And then he did the same thing with Biden. And then there was the final, I think, Tessera in this sick mosaic. And that was they had convinced themselves that now that they had been humiliated by a reaching out and being slapped down by Putin, that he was evil incarnate. He's a bad guy. But and therefore he was involved with Russian collusion and he tried to hurt Hillary and, and that would fail. And then they tried the Russian disinformation right before the election to help Biden in the debate. Remember, he was going to the 51 intelligence authorities and all that. And that worked. I think it did affect the debate, maybe the election, but it was proven a complete lie. And both in the impeachments, if there was a foundational narrative that Trump was also a traitor or uh, pro-Putin. That failed, that narrative. And now they finally think, you know what? Russia is what we always told you. It's evil, as if anybody disagreed. It was always a Trumpian, and now we're going to prove to you by empowering Ukraine, and it's going to destroy this Russia, and therefore the collusion and disinformation and all this conspiracy stuff that we said was true after all. That's part of it. Quick commercial break. Stay with us. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. 
like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma. Delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style, the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Before we go, I I wanted to, you know, even in all of this, you know, this conversation that we're having, everything going wrong in the country and the world, I I worry that people are underestimating Democrats' chances. You know, I I worry that Trump might just have too much baggage to be able to win, that he might alienate more than he. Then you look at what's going on in the House. Why would anyone trust us to lead? You know, I don't know who's worse, the Matt Gates wing that stopped that stopped Kevin McCarthy. And they made it. They said he talks to the Democrats. Therefore, we're going to remove him because we're going to work with the Democrats to remove him or the rhino group who said, because you got to do that, we're going to get to do it. And it just they're just taking this slim one half of one third of government and they're throwing it away. And that's really disturbing. And then when I talk to people, you talk to people in the Trump group and you say to them, listen, these people are serious. There's four of them and they're going to indict Donald Trump. And they have and they're go- and they said they would never do that. And then they're going to get a left wing jury, a left wing prosecutor, a left wing judge, and they're going to convict him because they've destroyed jurisprudence as we know it. But what are you going to do about it? Do you have a legal strategy? Have you researched? And the answer is they don't know what to do. All they want to do is raise money for another $150 million of legal defenses. And so I I don't think that people quite understand that Donald Trump will have gag orders. He will be maybe in jail. Will he pardon himself? He was elected. Will he be able to campaign on parole? We don't know. But they, the, the party is frozen 
right now. And then we have all of these candidates. And to be frank, Lisa, there's only two that have a chance, and that's DeSantis and Haley. And they're very different candidates. I mean, it's a chance to be number two and and in case something happens at Trump Apparel. I'm just going on the polls, not my own inclination. And it's basically a, a question of can Ron DeSantis, who is not as charismatic as uh, Haley, but has a better record, I think, of administration and enacting a conservative agenda, can he appeal to the three or four percent that Trump could not, and you, you can call them whatever you want, swing voters, independents, suburban moms, but, and he can bring, I think he can deliver the mega base. And then can Haley, who appeals to that three or 4% and the Republican, can she win the mega base? And I'm not sure she can, but we need to see, that needs to be adjudicated to see which of the candidates can unite the party and and whether Donald Trump will be viable. But when Trump refuses to debate and won't engage in the political process, and you have all these peripheral candidates on the stage, it's kind of the the executive counterpart to the speaker mess. It's just chaos. And what we again, what we really need is a debate about who best can unify every element of the Republican Party to stop this socialist madness that's in power right now. And we're not getting that conversation. We're not getting that debate. We're just getting a bunch of guys on the stage, virtue signaling, yelling, screaming. Uh, You know, I, I have nothing against Tim Scott or Chris Christie or Mike Pence or Ramaswamy, but they're not going to be president. And they've already shown us their abilities if you want to make them a cabinet minister or, you know, I don't know, vice president. So we don't need that show to go on. And we have two candidates that have risen in the polls. And let's let's have Donald Trump join the debates and all three of them show us what they can do. And then they can argue back and forth whether Trump is going to be viable or not, given his legal jeopardies. And I think that's the only thing that, that we have to do. We have to do it soon. But but we're not doing it. We're just saying, oh, Trump is just going to go through all these uh, legal hurdles. He's going to be in court almost every day. I think he's going to be in court from now until the election every week in one of these four jurisdictions by intent. And uh, I don't think that DeSantis and Haley will have a platform where they can air their differences and, uh, and show the, the, the Republican Party two different views of of the Trump legacy, if that's what you want to call it. And so we're not getting a resolution and just like the speaker. And I'm, yeah, I'm really worried about it. I'm worried about it too, sir. I think that's wisely stated. And I'm glad that I try to express my concerns when, you know, I'm on TV and, and on Twitter, but people just don't seem to, to want to hear you know, it. They get very yeah. angry. I, yeah, you're absolutely right. When I say this on an interview and then I get a call from, someone and says, are you flipped out? Or what are you saying? Or how dare you? Or Matt Gates is my hero, or you don't ever doubt Donald Trump and stuff like that. And I'm not doubting or trying to attack anybody. I'm just as a, out, our jobs as outside observers are not to be politically biased, but to give a disinterested analysis of the conservative movement. And that's what's happening. It's in disarray. And it, right now, it's the most golden opportunity they've ever had in 50 years because the left got power and it destroyed the country. And 
basically 60% of the people agree with us. And yet we can't articulate that to them. You know, I just pray that people wake up. Victor Davis Hanson, it's always an honor to have you on the show, sir. You are so smart, so wise. Um, I always learn so much from you. It's truly an honor. Well, thank you for having me, Lisa. That was Victor Davis Hanson, uh, always brilliant, always learned so much from him. I really appreciate him taking the time to, to come on the show. I appreciate you at home for listening every Monday and Thursday, but of course you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting the show together. Until next time. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.